Mr. Mike, Mr. Mike, please tell me a least love bedtime story. Well, sure thing, you little imp. Just hop up here on my knee, and I'll tell you the story of the little train that died. Okay, now one time there was a little train who had to pull a giant load of scrap metal up the mountain. He had never pulled such a heavy load in his life, and so when he left the valley, his little wheel said, I hope I can, I hope I can, I hope I can, I hope I can. But before long, he picked up speed, and now the wheel said, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Soon the little train was whizzing right up the mountain and now the wheel said, I know I can, I know I can, I know I can, I know I can. Heart attack, heart attack, heart attack, heart attack. Oh my God, the pain, oh my God, the pain, oh my God, the pain. I left my pills in the roundhouse, I left my pills in the roundhouse. And he died. Now, normally, Jody, that would be the end of the story, but the little train was on the mountain, kind of on an incline, and he began to roll backwards slowly at first, of course, but getting faster and faster until he was just barreling down the mountain, those wheels uh, just barely on the tracks. Of course, they weren't saying anything this time because they were dead. Now, in the valley, who should be si sitting on the tracks but Freddy the Frog, and wouldn't you know it, he's facing the wrong way, so he never sees the train coming at him at 180 miles an hour. Fortunately, Freddy hops off the tracks just in time, and the train misses him, hitting instead a school bus, killing 150 Norman over age nine, and the school bus. Now, when the state police arrive at the scene, one of them looks around at the carnage and grisly mutilation, spots Freddy and says, you know it's wrong that so many human beings should, should be dead, and this frog should still be alive. And so they beat him to death with a softball bat at the end. Mr. Mike, Mr. Mike, that was the best tale I've ever heard. Well, you know, Jody, I have a lot more where that came from. Uh, good night. Have you heard the one about the penguin, the soap dish, and the invisible cowgirl? Well, it seems to... Welcome to episode three of Kiosk. I'm your host, Oliver Blank. This episode, Bedtime Stories.
You have one new message. New messages. All stories begin with once upon a time. And that's just what this story is all about. What happened once upon a time? Once you were so small that even standing on tiptoes, you could barely reach your mother's hand. Do you remember? Your own history might begin like this. Once upon a time, there was a small boy, or a small girl, and that small girl was me. But before that, you were a baby in a cradle. You won't remember that, but you know it's true. Your father and mother were also small once, and so was your grandfather and your grandmother a much longer time ago. But you know that too. After all, we say they are old. But they too had grandfathers and grandmothers. And they too could say, once upon a time. And so it goes on further and further back. Behind every once upon a time, there is always another. Have you ever tried standing between two mirrors? You should. You will see a great long line of shiny mirrors, each one smaller than the one before, stretching away into the distance, getting fainter and fainter, 
so that you never see the last. But even when you can't see them anymore, the mirrors still go on. They are there, and you know it. And that's how it is with Once Upon a Time. We can't see where it ends. Grandfathers, 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 grandfather. It makes your head spin. But say it again, slowly, and in the end, you'll be able to imagine it. Then add one more. That gets us quickly back into the past, and from there into the distant past. But you will never reach the beginning, because behind every beginning, there's always another once upon a time. It's like a bottomless well. Does all this looking down make you dizzy? It does me. So let's light a scrap of paper and drop it down into that well. It will fall slowly, deeper and deeper. And as it burns, it'll light up the sides of the well. Can you see it? It's going down and down. Now it's so far down, it's like a tiny star in the dark. It's getting smaller and smaller, and now it's gone. Our memory is like that burning scrap of paper. We use it to light up the past. First of all our own, and then we ask old people to tell us what they remember. After that, we look for letters written by people who are already dead. And in this way, we light our way back. There are buildings that are just for storing old scraps of paper that people once wrote on. They are called archives. In them, you can find letters written hundreds of years ago. In an archive, I once found a letter which just said, Dear Mummy, Yesterday we ate some lovely truffles. Love from William. William was a little Italian prince who lived 400 years ago. Truffles are a special sort of mushroom. But we only catch glimpses because our light is now falling faster and faster. A thousand years, five thousand years, ten thousand years. Even in those days, there were children who liked good things to eat. But they couldn't yet write letters. Twenty thousand, fifty thousand. And even then, people said, as we do, once upon a time. Now our memory light is getting very small. And now it's gone. 
and yet we know that it goes on much further, to a time long, long ago, before there were any people, and when our mountains didn't look as they do today. Some of them were bigger, but as the rain poured down, it slowly turned them into hills. Others weren't there at all. They grew up gradually, out of the sea, over millions and millions of years. But even before the mountains, there were animals, quite different from those of today. They were huge and looked rather like dragons. And how do we know that? We sometimes find their bones deep in the ground. When I was a schoolboy in Vienna, I used to visit the Natural History Museum, where I loved to gaze at the great skeleton of a creature called a Diplodocus. An odd name, Diplodocus, but an even odder creature. It wouldn't fit into a room at home, or even two for that matter. It was as tall as a very tall tree, and its tail was half as long as a football pitch. What a tremendous noise it must have made as it munched its way through the primeval forest. but we still haven't reached the beginning. It all goes back much further, thousands of millions of years. That's easy enough to say, but stop and think for a moment. Do you know how long one second is? It's as long as counting one, two, three. And how about a thousand million seconds? That's 32 years. Now, try to imagine a thousand million years. At that time, there were no large animals, just creatures like snails and worms. And before then, there weren't even any plants. The whole earth was a formless void. There was nothing. Not a tree, not a bush, not a blade of grass, not a flower, nothing green, just barren desert rocks and the sea, an empty sea, no fish, no seashells, not even any seaweed. But if you listen to the waves, what do they say? Once upon a time.
once, the earth was perhaps no more than a swirling cloud of gas and dust, like those other far bigger ones we can see today through our telescopes. For billions and trillions of years, without rocks, without water, and without life, that swirling cloud of gas and dust made rings around the sun. And before that, before that, not even the sun, our good old sun, was there. Only weird and amazing giant stars and smaller heavenly bodies whirling among the gas clouds in an infinite, infinite universe. upon a time, but now all this peering down into the past is making me feel dizzy again. Let's get back to the sun, to the earth, to the beautiful sea, to plants and snails and dinosaurs, to our mountains, and last of all, to human beings. It's a bit like coming home, isn't it? And just so that, once upon a time, doesn't keep dragging us back down into that bottomless well. From now on, we'll always shout, Stop! When did that happen? And if we also ask, And how exactly did that happen? We will be asking about history. Not just a story, but our story. The story that we call the history of the world. Shall we begin?
by something. I could feel that there was something behind. I was running and I was being chased. I'm running down the street, into a house, through the house. Down the stairs. Out the back. I was being chased. Faster and faster. And I ran for all I was worth. My clothes were dragging me back. I was running away. I was running. And I ran. So I run along the corridor and I run up the stairs. I keep running up these stairs and round the corner. I sometimes run down the stairs into the corridor and I keep running and running and running. My legs wouldn't go quick enough. I couldn't get my breath to call out. I was running away. I was running very, very fast. Somehow I couldn't stop running. I was running and I fell over the mountain. Was the crocodile chasing me? I was running. Was the crocodile chasing me? I swam as fast as I could to get away from the crocodile. The crocodile suddenly changed into a lion and then that changed into a tiger. The animals really, I suppose, don't mean to chase me. But because I'm frightened and I run, they follow me up. So I run along the corridor and I run up the stairs. And uh, some great monstrous shape walks towards me in the corridor. And I run up the stairs. My legs wouldn't go quick enough. And I keep running and running and running. Running and running and running. Up the uh, big slope. And my legs wouldn't go quick enough. I was running and I was being chased. There was somebody after me, chasing me. Uh, up the... Uh, a big slope, up the, uh, a big slope. And I keep running and running and running, running and running and running. I couldn't get my breath to call out. So I run along the corridor and I run up the stairs. And uh, some great monstrous shape walks towards me in the corridor. Running down the street, into a house, through the house, out the back, over the somebody. I never see anybody. I know there's somebody behind me, probably, but I never see them. It's neither a man or a woman. It's just enormous black shape. It's uh, just a mass, a mass of something, matter, coming towards me. A great, big, monstrous-looking mass, not a shape just filling up the corridor. For it's neither a man or a woman, it's just enormous black shape in the corridor, filling up the corridor. It's a crocodile chasing me. I was running away. As I ran faster, I seemed to battle against it even more. My clothes were dragging me back. My clothes were dragging me back. I was running very, very fast. Somehow I couldn't stop running. I was running away. My legs wouldn't go quick enough. And I run up the stairs. The stairs are wide and stone. They're nasty stairs. They're institutional stairs. I keep running up these stairs and round the corner. I can't go right to the top. I just hide round the second corner.
Like a pounce upon a pico, look at what the light did now. Bear it like a bounce upon the beco, look at what the light did now. Land and water and bird or beast, oh look at what the light did now. Shiny little band or golden fleece, oh look at what the light did now. Look at what the light did now. Look at what the light did now. Look at what the light did Thank you. 
James? Ali! How you doing? I'm okay. Studying some lawyer stuff. What time is it? 4.20pm in Detroit. It's around 11, 11.30 here and I can't get to sleep. So what I'm wondering is maybe, maybe if you could give me bedtime tips. Bedtime tips. Alright. Yeah, how do, how do you get to sleep? When you can't sleep, how do you get to sleep? I used to watch movies when I would try to when I couldn't sleep, but I think that's a bad habit, so I stopped doing that. It's work its way into my dreams, and I don't know. It just didn't seem healthy to fall asleep with a screen on, and I used to do that a lot. So now I'm proud of myself. For the past year or two, actually, yeah, more than a year now, I just read. Before that, usually I go running at night. Oh yeah, because I've read you do loads of running at night, and you you always seem to be running and there's some just gorgeous wonderful scene of either vast desolation or just something really beautiful going on around you wherever you're running yeah like i usually run like during like through the warehouse district or whatever but yeah i run at night and then i come home and i take a shower and then i'll read a little bit and i go to sleep they say you're not supposed to exercise before you go to sleep i'm not sure why see i've heard that with the reading though that you shouldn't read, uh, or if you're going to read before bed, you should be reading something that's total fantasy, total fiction, total fantasy, and has no bearing on the real world. Why? Because that kind of sets your brain up for fantasy stuff and for dream time, and you're, you're getting away from real life and real world and daytime and work and 
when I got together with uh, with my girlfriend, we and we were in separate countries. We record, we spoke on the internet. We talked a lot in the evenings, and then I would read uh, the Little Prince to her, and then she actually did a reading for me in Finnish, actually, of the Little Prince, so that I could listen to that before bed. And I think that's really just the perfect bedtime story because it has no bearing on reality. The Little Prince before bed, I think, would be terrible. Why so? It's like tragic story about how we're all alone and we're all going to die alone. I don't think I want to read that book before I go to bed. Why is The Little Prince a tragic? I never took The Little Prince to be a tragic story. It... Holy shit, man! I mean, the little boy lost himself at the end. That's so sad. Sorry, I feel like I'm forgetting the story. Can you <laughs> can you run me through <laughs> this this moment of tragedy that happened in your edition of The Little Prince? Right. Well, no. I mean, I always feel like The Little Prince is just you know like the guy kind of flitting from planet to planet and then he meets the boy in the desert and it has these colorful characters but then you read the book and it's like you know he's in love with the rose and then he's like you know i wish i could go back to my own planet but i'm not going to be able to make it but i really need to be reunited with this love i lost there's only one way to do it and the the pilot guy's like i don't really know what you're talking about i gotta go fix my plane <laughs> he, he walks away And he hears the, the little boy talking to the snake, a poisonous snake, saying, just make sure when you bite me, it's fast and doesn't hurt too much. And the pilot's like, oh, shit, that's what you meant. And so he runs after the boy, and the, the boy's already been bitten by the snake. The boy's dying in the pilot's arms. He's like, this is the only way, you know, I could stop the pain of losing the love of the person that I lost. And the boy dies. I think you've just ruined one of my favorite books. It's, it's still a good book. It's just... You know, if you want that in your head before you fall asleep, and maybe I never got that far. Maybe you know, I'm reading it before bed, and I'm I'm I've fallen asleep before I've got to the the bit where the snake bites the kid and the kid dies. It just sounds terrible now. It's horrible, yeah. So you know, <laughs> good night. Yeah, thank thanks for that. Good night, Ollie. Good night. <laughs> above you Night breezes seem to whisper I love you Birds singing in the sycamore tree Dream a little dream of me Say night and night and kiss me Just hold me tight and tell me you'll miss me While I'm alone and blue as can be Dream a little dream of me Stars fading but I linger on dear Still craving your kiss I'm longing to linger till dawn dear Just saying this Sweet dreams till sunbeams find you Sweet dreams that leave all worries behind you But in your dreams, whatever they be Dream a little dream of me Just dreaming. 
you is awake. Stars fading, but I linger on, dear. Still craving your kiss. I'm longing to linger till dawn, dear. All I keep saying is this: Sweet dreams till sunbeams find you. Sweet dreams that leave all worries behind you. But in your dreams, whatever they be, dream a little dream of me. Dream a little dream of me.
the guards, past the coops and the fields and the farmyards, all night till finally the space they gained grew much farther and the stone not bare through to mark where they'd stop for tea. But walk a little faster and don't look backwards. Your feast is to the east, which lies a little past the pasture. And the blackbirds hear tea whistling and rise and clap. And their flowers cause a kettle black. And we can't have none of that. Move along, bear, there, there, that's that. Go cast in plaster.
might not be garters. Then the outside arms of the bear fell off as easy as if sloth from boiled tomatoes. Lord in a gentle curtsy, bear shed the mantle of her Nubian shoulders. And with this eye, she allowed the burden of belly to drop like an apron full of boulders. If you could hold up a threadbare coat to the light where its worn trains loosened in places, you'd see spots where almost every night of the year bear the mending suspending that faceless. Now a coat drags through the water, bagging with a life's worth of hanging girl in lifeless minnows. In the magnetic embrace, balladic and glacial, a bear's insatiable shadow. Left there, left there, one bear left bear. Left there, left there, one bear step clear of the bear. I sat at the kitchen table and watched the sky grow lighter by the minute. It had been a long time since I'd seen the dawn. At one end of the sky, a line of blue appeared, and like blue ink on a piece of paper, it spread slowly across the horizon. If you gather together all the shades of blue in the world and pick the bluest, the epitome of blue, this was the colour you would choose.
I'm your host, Oliver Blank. We're just past the halfway point of this episode of Kiosk, entitled Bedtime Stories. Next up, we've got a mix from Montreal's DJ Love. It's going to play us out straight through to the end of the show. And the mix is called Good Night, Sleep Tight. So I written on a side say just came in from the county of Keck that a very small bug by the name of Van Vleck is yawning so wide you can look down his neck. <laughs> this may not seem very important, I know, but it is, so I'm bothering telling you so. A yawn is quite catching, you see, like a cough. It just takes one yawn to start other yawns off. Now the news has come in that some friends of Van Vleck's are yawning so wide you can look down their necks. At this moment, right now, under seven more noses, great yawns are in blossom. They're blooming like roses. bug is still spreading. According to latest reports, it is heading across the wide fields through the sleeping night air, across the whole country toward every which way. People are gradually starting to say, I feel rather drowsy. I've had quite a day.
One day, after having no luck and having shot at shadows, Rip flopped on the ground, all tuckered out. Below him lay the blue Hudson, while on the other side, he looked into the wild, lonely forest dimly lit by the setting sun, all serene and peaceful.
Thank you. 
Gentle breeze from Hushabai Mountain softly blows o'er Lullaby Bay. It fills the sails of boats that are waiting, waiting to sail your worries away. It isn't far to Hushabai Mountain And your boat waits down by the quay The winds of night so softly are sighing Soon they will fly your troubles to sea so close your eyes on Hushabai Mountain Wave goodbye to cares of the day And watch your boat from Hushabai Mountain Sail far away from Lullaby
have shut off their voices. They've all gone to bed in the beds of their choices. They're sleeping in bushes. They're sleeping in crannies, some on their stomachs and some on their fannies. They're peacefully sleeping in comfortable holes, some even on soft-tufted barbershop poles. The number of sleepers is now past the millions. The number of sleepers is now in the billions. They're sleeping on steps and on strings and on floors, in mailboxes, ships, and the keyholes of doors. Every worm on a fish hook is safe for the night. Every fish in the sea is too sleepy to bite. Every whale in the ocean has turned off his spout. Every light between here and far foodle is out. And now, adding things up, we are way beyond billions. Our who's asleep score is now up in the zillions. Ninety-nine zillion, nine trillion and two creatures are sleeping. So, how about you? When you put out your light, then the number will be ninety-nine.
Well, that's it for another episode of Kiosk. Our music and incidental clips in this episode came from The Gentleman Losers, Amina, The Remote Viewer, BBO, Hans Zimmer, Air, Danny Elfman, DJ Shadow, From Honey to Ashes, Delia Derbyshire, Helios, Little Wings, Monkey Swallows the Universe, Psychic TV, Twin Peaks, and Bing Cosby and Bob Scobie's Frisco Dance Band. Special thanks to James A. Reeves for the long-distance call to Detroit and his bedtime tips. You can visit James online at BigAmericanNight.com. Regular listeners may have recognized the sweet, sweet tones of Candy Chang earlier in the show. She was reading from E.H. Gombrich's A Little History of the World. You can discover more of Miss Chang's activities over at CandyChang.com. Our mix for this episode, expertly crafted by DJ Love, was entitled Goodnight, Sleep Tight. You can find more DJ Love at djlovesrecords.com. And note that love is spelt L-U-V. And finally, I've been your host, Oliver Blank. You can find me online at mroliverblank.com. I'll be back very soon with another episode of Kiosk. In the meantime, thank you for listening and sleep tight. Sweet dreams that leave worries behind you But in your dreams, whatever they be Dream a little dream of me Stars fading, but I linger on, dear Still craving a Just saying this Sweet dreams till sunbeams find you Sweet dreams that leave worries far behind you But in your dreams, whatever they be Dream a little dream of me